We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings Update. A look at rookie impacts at all the skill positions for this season in your redraft leagues and maybe even on DraftKings to open up the season, plus all the latest news at a training camp and whether we should be paying attention to it or it's one of those things where, hey, the NFL needs to produce content, this is content, or is this like serious business? We'll try to discern the real from the fake, from all of this. Everyone out there, smash the like button to the episode. And when I talk to Ray about this, uh, one of the problems I'm having in my rankings right now, I've just updated them, you can check them out in the description, is I don't know what to do with the second tier of running back. I've been flip-flopping on it the entire time. Like, I was, I was kind of in on Barkley. And I talked to my guy, Dr. Jesse Morse. He's like, yeah, you might want to, like, pump the brakes on Barkley a little bit. So now I've done that. We've got this Colt situation with no quarterback. Now offensive linemen are banged up. How does that affect Jonathan Taylor? Is Austin Eckler? weirdly the safest guy out there we're going to talk about Najee Harris so I want you to know right now I'm going to give you a list of four running backs you tell me which one you would rank the highest in your running back rankings we'll call it half point PPR okay Saquon Barkley Austin Eckler Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris for 2021 only half point PPR which guy regardless of ADP you're just gun to your head I mean I live in Canada I don't really know much about this gun to your head business but I've heard people say it before so if you're watching from America maybe you have more experience with this I don't know but which one do you take regardless of ADP just you have one guy on your team all season long which one of those four is that gonna be if you miss Jeff Radcliffe and I breaking down all of the latest news from the weekend and Monday check out fantasy football picks and bets up on Mayo Media Network right now show came out Monday evening and if you're feeling generous because I'm feeling generous over here you want to get in a cash giveaway draw the pool is up to a thousand dollars right now we're doing the draw sometime in the next 10 days if you hit the description you will find the Apple podcast link to fantasy football picks or bets you subscribe to that right now you have a five-star review on Apple podcast along with 
you know, make something up that you enjoy about the show. Leave your Twitter handle or email address, and boom, you're in the draw. It takes 27 seconds, and you have the shot to win a share of that $1,000. It's going to be $100 each. I'm not going to lie to you. So there's 10 winners out there right now. If we get enough reviews, that's going up to $1,500. Also, you need the best stats, the best tools, optimizers, projections, game simulations that are fully customizable? Yeah, sounds intriguing, right? Well, now there's a place for that. Runthesims.com. You can sign up for a free account, adjust the projections for the season any way you want. Get the premium account with the optimizer and the simulations. You want to go to runthesims.com slash mayo to get that discount right now. Okay? And check out all the shows on Mayo Media Network. Subscribe to the channel. And you should also be subscribing to Bets TV on YouTube because my guest has a brand new show debuting next Wednesday, Wednesday, August 11th on Bets TV. Ray Garvin, you've hit the big time and your set looks awesome. Oh, Pat, I, I just want to say when you reached out about coming on the show again, I was very, very nervous because the last time that I was on the show with Thor Nystrom, you kept me on this damn thing for about seven and a half hours. And I was just like, I just don't have seven hours for another show. Uh, but I'm excited, uh, excited to be here. And uh, I don't even know if you just asked me a question. I completely just blanked on what happened before this soliloquy. Uh, but I'm happy to be here, Pat. Tell everyone about the show that you have debuting. Oh, yeah, that that thing that's coming out uh, next Wednesday. Right. Uh, wake up with Ray G. So uh, Bets TV, make sure you're uh, subscribed over there on YouTube, following me on Twitter. Uh, just a morning show every single weekday, Monday through Friday. Uh, my good friend uh, Jordan Richards and I will be going live uh, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to 9 a.m. And we're talking sports. We're talking football, NBA, a little bit of boxing when it sees fit, a tiny bit of baseball because I only know uh, the star players. But we'll be talking about uh, sports and, and different betting lines and things of that nature, a little bit of fantasy sprinkled in. But make sure you tap in. I think it's going to be a really fun way to wake up in the morning uh, while you're brushing your teeth and getting ready for work, got the kids running around, just throw us up on YouTube and uh, check out the good content. So, yeah, next week. August the 11th, we'll be uh, kicking this bad boy off. Yeah, so check that out for free live up on the Bets TV YouTube page. Also, Ray's got a complete package at ftnfantasy.com. You use code ALLGAS, A-L-L-G-A-S, and you get yourself a discount on that, Ray. Tell everyone what you have in there because it's it's mighty impressive. As someone who used to do draft kits myself and like really dig into the writing side and all that content side of everything with projections and rankings and all the scouting reports, uh, I don't do that anymore because it took up too much time. But now you're doing it and it's fucking awesome. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of help. Uh, I've got a lot of help. But yeah, the the all-inclusive, all-exclusive Ray G package, uh, if you want exclusive access to me, my dynasty rankings, uh, an awesome Discord community where we just talk sports and and all that other good stuff, as well as draft guides and all the other amazing content on FTM Fantasy. Uh, it's a it's a pretty cool thing. So you don't just get me; you get everything that FTM Fantasy has to offer. So make sure, as Pat you just said, use that promo code All Gas to save you a little something something at the checkout. Let's talk about some of the latest headlines. I broke down the entire Colts offense with Jeff Radcliffe yesterday because of the Carson Wentz injury. It's like, oh yeah, Carson Wentz out. What does that really do to everything? Um, 
but now Quentin Nelson is also going to be out five to 12 weeks. Is this like the, the standard for Indy? It's just like, yeah, five to 12 weeks. You don't really know. But now they have an all-pro offensive lineman. They, I mean, I don't know how good Carson Wentz was going to be anyway, but you have to think him being out is probably not good for this team, especially if they're not bringing in another veteran at this point. But like... What does this do to Jonathan Taylor? Like, is it going to become one of these things where they lean on him more and he's actually better in fantasy? Or is it like, you know, down an offensive lineman, down a quarterback? Like, they know what you're going to do, and this isn't going to work out well. Yeah, it's it's not good. You know, anytime you lose arguably the best offensive guard, one of the best linemen in the NFL, it doesn't bode well for the entire offense, especially a running back like Jonathan Taylor who thrives on those counter plays, those trap plays up the gut, utilizing that power and speed. You know, Carson Wentz, you you alluded to it. I don't know what he was going to be this year, but I can assure you he's a hell of a lot better than Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger and whoever the hell else they brought in to run QB3. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be volume, you know, and that's the running back position. Volume is king, even if efficiency suffers, which right now, 5 to 12 weeks, it, it's Early, if if this were going to happen to Quentin Nelson or Carson Wentz, you'd rather it happen right now, opposed to week three of the preseason or heading into week one. So there's a good chance it, that Q doesn't miss too too much time. Uh, but for as far as Jonathan Taylor, I, I'm still not concerned. Pat, he's going to get the volume. He's going to get the opportunity. They're going to have to lean on him, especially uh, they they got to see firsthand how good Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger are. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a heavy, heavy workload for one Jonathan Taylor this fall. See, I'm a bit more concerned. I was concerned about Jonathan Taylor's fantasy value coming into the year, not really a skill level thing. And a lot of it had to do with Indy had an awesome offensive line. And, you know, Marlon Mack has already run into the back of other offensive linemen, knocking them out with elbow injuries for little periods of time. So there's not going to be that necessary cohesion right off the top. But the return of Marlon Mack has really been the thing, for me at least, that, well, it's twofold. The return of Marlon Mack, and let's say we just give him 15% of the carries on this team. We know that Naheem Hines is going to have his role in this offense. Neither of them are workhorse roles, but they're just pesky enough, at least in my mind, to keep Jonathan Taylor from that elite level of running back. And I think that people overlook that with no Phillip Rivers, it's not like Jonathan Taylor is going to be averaging like four catches a game anymore. He's just not going to be seeing those targets because no other quarterback except for Philip Rivers throws to his goddamn running backs that much just on little blood dumps because that's what's going on so I think it might be like pure rushing volume not to say that he's not gonna catch passes but I think it's gonna be more infrequent than we saw a year ago so I'm gonna throw that question that I told asked the listeners to ask in the comment section special like by the way sub to Mayo Media Network while you're here I'm looking at my running back rankings right now I did the full breakdown with Jake Seeley last week you can go check out those that debate show the rankings are in the description but I've really messed everything up here so I got kind of cold feet on Barkley I dropped him from six to nine I dropped Jonathan Taylor from eight to eleven this is running back only half point PPR so now it goes Austin Eckler Najee Harris Nick Chubb Saquon Barkley Aaron Jones and Jonathan Taylor do you think Jonathan Taylor should still be higher than that no I think that's I think that's appropriate and that's fair and a part of this game much like the NFL is adjusting to the situations that presented itself. And you're absolutely right. No Carson Wentz, no uh, Quentin Nelson, the return of Martin Mack, the involvement of Naheem Hines. Those things definitely take away some of that ceiling that Jonathan Taylor, at least we thought he could uh, reach this season. However, 
you adjust for that in your draft and you don't draft Jonathan Taylor as this elite level RB1. I still think based on volume, he will finish as an RB1, even if not elite. So you just make those adjustments. Instead of taking Jonathan Taylor in round one, maybe he's a mid to late second round pick. And that's extremely awesome value for a player who is going to exceed 200 plus carries this season and still get a decent amount of work out of the backfield catching the ball. So I just think it's a matter of adjusting your fantasy strategy going into the 2021 season and, you know, backing off some of those high, high, high expectations we have for a player like JT. Yeah, he's dropped into number 19 overall for me. I just feel more comfortable with the high-end wide receivers in that spot. Like, I'd rather have Kelvin Ridley. I'd rather, fuck, I'd rather have Allen Robinson at this point, who I think is going to have an outstanding season in terms of fantasy, just getting rid, even something as, as innocuous as getting rid of Anthony Miller. That's just taking away one of the mouths in that offense and I've said it to a bunch of people and I realized that Mitch Trubisky was like, okay, getting him the ball. So it was Nick Foles, but like whether it's Andy Dalton or when it's eventually Justin Fields, like even Andy Dalton's an upgrade over what they had as bad as he might still be that is Andy Dalton, the best quarterback week one with the bears that Allen Robinson has ever played with. I don't even want to answer this question uh, because the answer is probably yes. It's probably yes. Um, but, you know, A-Rob a- is is going to do his thing. I mean, he's incredible. And at this juncture of the NFL training camp preseason stage that we're in, hey, no news about A-Rob being injured, hurt. I'll, I'll take that. You know, he's on the field. He's healthy. He's one of the best receivers in the game. And he is going to get that volume. He is going to get the target share. He is the guy in that offense. So I I don't blame you. And I I know I keep going back to JT. I don't blame you for wanting a player like Calvin Ridley, or maybe even in, you know, an Allen Robinson or some, one of those type of wide receivers over uh, JT for this fall. And it's funny because the drafts that I'm looking at, at least recently over the past three days, high stakes fantasy drafts on average. And this is, some of this was conducted before the Wentz injury, before the Quentin Nelson injury that Jonathan Taylor is going seventh overall not just a running back seventh oh I mean I guess that was at running back because the first seven picks are all running backs right now in high stakes leagues and someone like Allen Robinson is going at pick number 31 like I have those guys back to back in my top 150 rankings I think that their fantasy point total is going to be exceptionally close this year but that's a massive gap in terms of value well and I think a lot of people need to get hip the game because uh th- that situation uh with, with Taylor And he's not the only running back that there are a couple of question marks around that situation, whether that be uh, returning players, whether that be new faces. Uh, Sometimes it's, it's, it's okay to go against the ADP grain, right? You know, everybody wants to say you have to have running backs in round one. It has to be JT. He was great at Wisconsin and we know what he's going to do this season, but damn it. I want, Points. I want points. I want players who are going to score consistent points week in and week out. And some of these wide receivers, they're just they're safer than some of these running backs that we see propped up early in these rounds of, of, of drafts. At the top of the well, not necessarily at the top, the tier two, once again, that that part that I'm struggling with. Would you go Eckler or Najee Harris? It's Najee Harris. Uh, it's it's Najee Harris. Not only am I confident that he is going to get the rushing volume, 
albeit behind, and we can talk about how shitty the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line is. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. He's going to be utilized, and we see this early on right now in Pittsburgh Steelers' training camp. He's going to be utilized in that wide receiver Le'Veon Bell type role. And we've seen when Ben Roethlisberger has a running back like that, even James Conner a couple of years ago, how valuable that position is. I This is not a slight or an indictment against Austin Eckler. This is just conviction for what Pittsburgh did. They drafted a running back round one, and I meant good grief. We all saw it coming from a mile away. He's big, he's fast, he's versatile, he's explosive, and they do not want to throw the ball as many times as they did last season. And you bet your bottom dollar that Najee Harris is going to be more problematic for one of those three Pittsburgh wide receivers, and he will be the beneficiary of those points uh, this fall. I I want Najee, man. And the more I'm more on the same page with you now than I was a month ago, because I started thinking through it in my mind and you keep hitting on it like volume. We talk about Allen Robinson. The big reason I love Allen Robinson and I have loved Allen Robinson is just the ridiculous target share that he sees on his team. I don't care if his quarterbacks suck. He's good. Even if he catches 50% of the balls thrown his way, that's still going to compete with the very top end in terms of receptions in the NFL. And when I think about Najee Harris, it's, He's one of the few, at least, guys that I perceive to be three down backs. Like, I can nitpick Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah, I mean, the offensive line is one thing when you're used to running behind, like, the best offensive line that gets downgraded. Yeah, Pittsburgh's offensive line sucks. I don't think it's going to be as bad as last year. They're not dealing with the same sort of injuries. They have another year to kind of coalesce and get a little bit better. And frankly, it's just easier to not be, to go from the... 32nd to the 23rd offensive line, a substantial difference in improving. You're not good, but you're also not awful at the same time. So I'm not too concerned about that. But with Mac, with Naheem Hines, that's all going to affect Jonathan Taylor. I don't see any of these other jabroni running backs on Pittsburgh doing anything to cut into Najee Harris's workload. Well, and then the, the you kind of touched on this when you were talking about Jonathan Taylor in the absence of Philip Rivers, the check down God. Uh, Justin Herbert's ascension, right? And uh, this is a completely new Los Angeles Chargers offensive coaching staff. We know that Herbert has a cannon attached to his shoulder. They want to push the ball downfield. And we know that Austin Eckler, despite being, uh, he's not the traditional bell cow type running back. And we've seen him thrive uh, despite him being more of a satellite plus type back. But Justin Herbert wants to push the ball downfield. I, I, I just I don't see him being this check down maven that's going to give Austin Eckler the type of volume that maybe we're accustomed to. Whereas in, in Pittsburgh, I mean, it's Anthony McFarlane, Kalen Balage, and Benny Snell. I, I, I mean, this offense is going to be predicated and centered around their first round pick, Najee Harris. So for that, I, I think for me, I'm more comfortable with him in that, you know, with, with him opposed to Austin Eckler. And that, again, that's no slight to Eckler and what he probably will do this season. You've sold me. I've moved Najee. I've completely jumbled around this midsection. And I'll probably do it like eight more times before the season starts. But I'm drafting today, taking Najee Harris, number six at running back. That seems really high. But hey, this is what we're going with here. So Harris, Eckler, and then I have Nick Chubb, who I've been warming up to right now at number nine because I started going through my mind we know the limitations of Nick Chubb in the passing game but he still manages to score all these fantasy points every single year 
he has a ceiling in his current situation. But one of the things that I like to talk about, you know, you draft A.J. Dillon or Latavius Murray a little bit later on because if something happens to Aaron Jones or something happens to Elvin Kamara, all of a sudden you have like a top 10 running back on your hands. What happens when Kareem Hunt goes out and Nick Chubb is playing? He might be the best fantasy running back. And they have one of the best offensive lines. They just continue to improve the situation in Cleveland. And they don't want Baker Mayfield throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game. I just think it's a perfect blend in Cleveland. I know Kareem Hunt being involved in that offense sort of like zaps away some of our excitement of what Nick Chubb can become. But what he is, is just hyper efficient. And the way that they deploy those two running backs, it, 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 I have zero concern about what Nick Chubb is going to do on the ground. And when he does get the opportunity on screen plays and through the air, uh, he's one of the best open field runners in the league. Just a beautiful blend of speed, size, power. Uh, I'm with you. I am, I'm all in on Nick Chubb. He just got a new deal. He's motivated. He's hungry. And the organization wants to win. And in that AFC North, pound the rock. Nick Chubb is going to be a monster. No fear, no concern. Loving it. Yeah, so right now in NFC drafts, he's going at number 15 overall, which does feel like if you can scoop him up at the beginning of the second round, that feels like a really nice you know hammer that you can complement with your first round pick because he's not normally the player I like to draft, like I mentioned, like... If Kareem Hunt is healthy the entire year, I believe his ceiling is much lower than all of the other running backs. However, he has a very consistent floor week to week. Sometimes when he's not scoring touchdowns, you know, he's going to have those games where it's like 15 carries for 98 yards and that's it. And you get your 9.8 points and you have to move on your way. That's essentially like the floor that you're looking at for him. And he does have, you know, if we're going to calculate injuries into other people as a part of a timeshare, like he has the highest timeshare floor of any running back who's in one of these like quote unquote timeshares. And then he still has the ability to go up a level and you're starting to get a break on his actual value versus you know, even the Saquon Barkley's or the Jonathan Taylor's or even Austin Eckler who might not control the goal line work on his own team, which could be really problematic for him. And he's going like twice the picks after. So I'm in on Nick Chubb from that regard. I got some scary news for you and probably Giants oh fans in general. Oh Ken- boy. Kenny Galladay left practice with an apparent lag injury clutching at the back of his leg. I have started to implement a rule in fantasy football over the past three years. Because I used to be like, oh, this guy's just a little bit injured. His value is falling. This is perfect. And he's like a distressed asset anyway. No one really wanted Kenny Galladay in fantasy drafts this year. But as soon as I hear soft tissue injury, something like a hamstring, I'm kind of all out at that point. Oh, boy. The the soft tissue injury uh, for a wide receiver who... Uh, wasn't he dealing with that last season at some point in time with, with Detroit? I, it, I just, honestly, I just think it's a situation to, to avoid if at all possible, you know, if, if he falls to you, wherever he's going, if he falls to you and it's the value play on the board, then of course the upside of what Kenny Galladay can do. We've seen that uh, in Detroit, but Pat, I'm just telling you, man, uh, the, the, the giants, they are a situation in a team right now where I outside of, and I know this is going to sound gross outside of Saquon doesn't sound gross, but maybe like an Evan Ingram as a later tight end. I I just have little to no interest in a lot of players on that, that New York giants team. Uh, 
those soft tissue injuries, again, it's, it's early in the playing process, but man, we, we see it with Tyreek Hill, you know, every, every for as fast and as great as he is, there's, you always hold your breath when he's screaming down the field because you're thinking, please don't pull up because he too has had some issues with soft, t- uh, top soft tissue injuries. Uh, this is not good for Kenny Galladay and for the giants and uh, a, a player that I'm just, I'm not really in on this season. Well, he's now down to pick number 59 overall. That's in receiver terms, that's one spot behind Brandon Ayuk and one spot ahead of Odell Beckham in the pecking order when it comes to high stakes fantasy drafts at this moment from the past three days. That accounts for 30 drafts. He's going as high as 50, as low as 72. He's just kind of falling in that range at the very end and middle of the fifth round, early sixth round, whatever it might be. I still think, I don't necessarily think that's too high. It's just not a player that I want to go after. I think if I was going to get anything in the Giants offense, I haven't taken Slayton late in drafts. Like, I don't think that he's a complete wash. Sterling Shepard is still there. These guys are just going undrafted. So if you're now dealing with a situation where we don't know how this offense is really going to shake down when they're not having full-out brawls at practice and Daniel Jones is on the bottom of a pile of a combined weight of two tons, which probably isn't great for the morale of the team unless Joe Judge can really turn that around. The Giants seem relatively dysfunctional to me that I'd rather take the free guys than invest any sort of draft capital in any of like Saquon is one thing because running back is scarce. He's a guy who could be a league winner if he's actually right coming off this injury. The receivers like you mentioned Evan Ingram like even he's going too high for me. Yeah, and it's again, it's one of those things where. I, I'm fine missing out on Giants players this season. I, I really am. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. You know, you talked about Brandon Ayuk, you know, one spot after Brandon Ayuk. Uh, it, it wouldn't even be a question. Give me Brandon Ayuk 101 out of 100 times over Kenny Galladay. I, I just don't, I have no interest in, and you said it perfectly. It's not that he's going too high. I just, I am not believing in, in this situation right now at all from any standpoint besides really the running back and hell you just need running backs and Saquon Barkley is is one of the most talented in the league uh but yeah if you can get Sterling Shepard for dirt cheap or you know Darius Slayton I'm sure he costs you absolutely nothing I'll just let that landmine fall in another person's lap in my league. Yeah, he would have to start going a lot lower because I look at five picks above him, five picks behind him overall in drafts. I know a lot of people are structuring their drafts, running back, tight end or running back, wide receiver, tight end or running back, first three rounds. And then they're just peppering wide receivers in the middle round. So that makes sense of where he's going and why Brandon Ayuk is also going at that. I think I'd still rather have Debo for his price over Brandon Ayuk. And I just don't know how much that team is going to throw. So we'll see really how that goes. And if if it ends up being Trey Lance in like week two or something like that, it, does that have a just downhill effect in terms of the overall upside of some of these guys? That's a different discussion. When I look at Kenny Galladay, you know, Daryl Henderson's going two picks ahead of him. I'd rather have Daryl Henderson. Dak Prescott is going four picks ahead of him. I'd rather have Dak Prescott. Even in that round, I'd rather have Dak Prescott. Jamar Chase and Lamar Jackson are the guys who are going five spots and six spots ahead of him. Much rather have those guys. And I don't think they're even in the same realm as Kenny Galladay at this point. Then we look after him, like Hawkinson's down there. Uh, We mentioned Odell Beckham, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt. Like these are all guys that I'd rather have than Kenny Galladay. So that's why I just can't envision myself drafting him. 
if you make that pick of Kenny Galladay with those players, you know, the Chases, the OBJs, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, TJ Hawkinson, if you are the sucker that takes Kenny Galladay, I promise you immediately after selecting draft, you will regret that decision. You will regret it. I, I want Odell Beckham, Kenny Galladay, Kareem Hunt, Daryl Henderson, Jamar. It's, it's just a player that I think there are far more questions surrounding him and that team, which I don't think anybody knows what the hell to expect out of the Giants this fall. Uh, you will regret that probably immediately after you select draft and you see him pop up on your roster. I was scoping around DealDash.com the other day because I've heard that people have saved some big-time money there. And I tell you what, what I saw, I almost couldn't believe. They had auctions on a crazy wide variety of quality products, and people were winning them at truly shocking prices. So here's the question. How much can you save at DealDash.com? Well, it's completely up to you. Some people save 80%, some people save 90%, some people save up to 99%. Really, the only way to find out how much you can save is to visit DealDash.com today and use promo code MAYO. That's DealDash.com promo code M-A-Y-O to see how much you can save. DealDash, where deals come true. It's funny because in back-to-back picks at 58, it's Miles Gaskin. At 59, it's Kenny Galladay. And I, I feel like Miles Gaskin is almost the Kenny Galladay of running backs right now. Like I have no specific issue with him. Just I don't want him. Why don't you want Gat? What is it? Why, Pat? Why? This, is, this was one of the most prolific rushers in college football history. He comes out last season and performs admirably on a up-and-down offensive Miami team. He's the guy going into this season. The offense, when healthy, looks improved. Uh, Tua looks to take a step forward. Why are you kind of feeling icky about Gaskin? Because that's a player that I'm starting to actually come around on more and more, especially for this 2021 season. It's the price. It's, I can get Michael Carter 20 picks later. I can get Raheem Mostert 25 picks later. I can get Damian Harris 30 picks later. I just, I think all those guys are kind of the same. And for whatever reason that Miles Gaskin, and I'm not even convinced that it's his like full-time role. Now, Mike Davis is also going right around him. I've been a big Mike Davis advocate so far this offseason. Until they actually come out and tell us they're not doing Mike Davis in a full-time role, then I'm going to believe them and think that he can have like weird low running back to value. But with Gaskin, if they're not checking down, and like this is going to be a brand new offense, obviously. And you say two, it takes a step forward. That probably means less reliance on the running game, a little fewer dump offs to the running backs. And I just look at the running back core and it does seem like they've compiled all these guys to fill different roles. Like why bring in Malcolm Brown here? Salvan Ahmed looked like he was a better between the tackles runner than Gaskin, who looked like he's just more of an all-purpose type of guy. And maybe that's how they want to use him. They're going to be throwing and giving handoffs to Lynn Bowden for no reason in this backfield. Like it just seems like there's a lot of congestion there of why is Miles Gaskin above these other running backs who seem to have a lot of question marks too. So I think from a from a strategy perspective, um, you know, it's do you believe in this player enough at price to invest early, knowing that maybe the first four to five weeks, uh, hell, I'll just say six weeks of the season, 
he may not be what you expected him to be at the beginning because all these teams do cute shit at the beginning of the season. All of them, Bowden catching, running the ball out of the backfield, uh, Jalen Waddle lining up back there. Who knows what the hell is going to happen? But middle of the season, towards the end of the season, when things start to get figured out, I, I, I have more confidence and faith that a player like Miles Gaskin will eventually rise to the top and be that league winner. I'm, I'm not saying league winner in that sense, but be the guy on that team to command majority of the touches out of the backfield uh, towards the middle and the end of that season, even if that means the beginning part the results are a lot less desirable than maybe I anticipated. And I think we'll have to ask these questions about a lot of these players. And, you know, you bring up Michael Carter, you bring up uh, Mike Davis. I understand Carter going 20 picks later. I mean, you, you can't beat that value, but who the hell is Michael Carter? I, I mean, we don't know what this Jets offense is truly going to look like during the season. He is a rookie. He's not this big, physically imposing type rusher. Um, I, I just think there, there are so many question marks with these guys. We, there's going to have to be something that we all look at to say, this is the determining factor. I just believe in this situation. I believe in what this player could become in the middle of the season towards the back half of the fantasy season for me, uh, opposed to A, B, or C. So I, I just... There's a ton of question marks with these guys, and we're trying to decipher the Da Vinci Code. And, of course, we will probably be dead-ass wrong when it's all said and done. I mean, that's that's the fun. You have the hot takes. Yeah. You go all in. Then you're wrong. Yeah, then you live and learn. Then you do it <laughs> next year. It's not that big of a deal. People get very stressed out about this stuff. Not so When you're a proven winner at being wrong like myself, you just get used to it. I've been doing this for 10 years now. You're going to be wrong a lot of the time, and you don't want to be one of those people that doesn't have an opinion about anything. Tyreek Hill <laughs> missed practice on Tuesday with knee tendonitis. I don't know what this means in terms of long-term outfit. Like you said, it's very early in the preseason. I don't think this is necessarily fake news because obviously he has knee tendonitis, but I'm not worrying about this until I hear more about it. It's not going to be like a one-day panic for me. Yeah, I... I... I did a quick scan of this situation and all I saw was it is nothing like knee arthritis. And this is something that can be resolved and it is not debilitating or crippling long-term. That's all I need to hear. Uh, panic away. If you, if you feel necessary, uh, like you said, not fake news, but I'm, I'm not concerned one bit about Tyreek Hill and his knee tendonitis. I saw medical doctors say that this is correctable. It's fixable. That's all I needed to hear. Do you have any lean on the situation between James Robinson and Travis Etienne in the Jags' oh. backfield? Because Etienne is going at number 40 overall. James Robinson is going at number 64 overall. Now, based on the way that they've been talking about Etienne through training camp and what they said that his role was going to be in this offense as weirdly, like primarily a pass catcher. I mean, it's not like he's not, basically advanced Naheem Hines or like Darren Sproles or even Austin Eckler seems to be the way that they're talking about him. But, you know, he's better than that. So I figure he'll do more than that. And that's what it's being reflected in his draft stock where he's going at pick number 40 overall. People are drafting him ahead of James Robinson. He's probably better skill-wise than James Robinson. And so I understand that. But it doesn't feel like both of them can have fantasy value this year. So I feel like you need to be in on one or the other. Do you think 40 overall is too high for Etienne? For me, based on you know what I've seen, what I've heard from some people who are actually at Jacksonville Jaguars camp right now, watching some of the practices, 
for me, I'll take the player going 24 picks later. And that's James Robinson. And, uh, you know, I am fine with missing out on this mythical ceiling that I think a lot of people, and I think it's a little misguided, believe that ETN could hit. Uh, I will take the safety and the floor of what I believe and what I'm hearing about James Robinson out of the backfield. I have a lot more confidence that when Jacksonville gets to the goal line, he's probably going to be the primary back. At his size, he's a much bigger running back than uh, Travis Etienne. So I do believe that handling a bulk of the carries through 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 the middle, through the 20s, I do believe that's going to be James Robinson. Travis is still a rookie, and as talented as he is, and as good as he can be in the long term, he's still a rookie running back who does not have this. Uh, you can look at his stats from college all you want. You can look at him all you want. But I'm telling you, he is not on the level yet of a Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler type receiving weapon out of the backfield. And every damn time they show the Jaguars practice on, on, on TV, he's lined up at wide receiver. It's James Robinson in the backfield. It's ETN motioning out of the slot, doing stuff like that. And I just, I have no clue. I don't think anybody in the world knows what to expect out of Urban Meyer. But at pick 64, Give me the guy that I saw be extremely effective out of the backfield last year in James Robinson, even if we throttle his wheat not it ain't us. I mean, he's going to see a significant loss in touches this season, but at pick 64, uh, I'm still very much in on James Robinson at cost. I'm probably out on both of them uh, at their current values. I was just trying to think of who I actually want from the Jacksonville side, because if you live on fantasy Twitter, you would think that Chenault is the greatest player who ever lived, (laughs) um, which he's not. And he's not even really that great of a fantasy player. He's fine. He's going to have some good games. Uh, He has great highlights and people really seem to glom on to that. But I just think that he's being overdrafted. I think DJ Chark is being overdrafted. Lawrence is actually a pretty good value for the potential upside that he possesses fantasy-wise, coupled with his rushing ability, coupled with this defense that should be really shitty, although they're in the division with the Colts and Texans, so they could be, like, competitive in that regard. But at the same time, they should be they should be playing in a lot of shootouts, a lot of catch-up, so I think that's good for Trevor Lawrence. And it's weird because, like, I like Chark. I, I like a lot of these players just to look at and be like, hey, Chark could be really good. I think that Chenault could be really good. James Robinson, ETN can be really good. Marvin Jones is good. No one wants him. I do. There I'm we are. with you. I mean, I, I, I thought you were teeing that up so I can drop the Marvin Jones bomb because I'm all in uh, on Marvin Jones. And I 100% agree with you. He is good. And in that role, what he's going to do is stretch the field Uh, have those deep targets. Trevor Lawrence wants to bomb it out. And just going back to Urban Meyer's time in college from, you know, Lewis Murphy at Florida, his time at Ohio State, he likes and loves and utilizes those downfield uh, field stretchers. And I think Marvin Jones, I mean, this was an Urban Meyer pick. He wasn't a carryover. Urban Meyer said, I want that guy. I want to pair him with our first round pick quarterback. And I'm with you. I don't know where Marvin Jones is being drafted, but I want him and have him everywhere because I think he's the player on this offense that is, like like you said, nobody wants Marvin Jones. I will gladly take him, and I don't care what his cost is because I know it's low. It is pick number 129 overall. For context, Chenault is going at pick 89. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, sounds like a no-brainer, right? 129, 80, whatever it is. Yeah, give me Marvin Jones, his ability to stretch the field, his ability to be, to be a threat in the red zone, jump ball situations. Uh, I, I love him. I love him in this offense. I love him with Trevor Lawrence, and the price is outstanding. One to run a few rookies by you in their impact this year for 2021 in fantasy football before I let you go out of here, because I know that you know, you've talked about your dynasty rankings, which you can get at FTN Fantasy as a part of the as Rays all in all exclusive package. You can use all gas for the discount code on that. Highly recommend that you go check that out. But just for this season alone, because I think a lot of people get it twisted a lot of the time with dynasty versus redraft leagues. I don't play in a ton of dynasty leagues. I don't really care how these guys are going to be in four years. But when the analysis spills over and you get a lot of people doing dynasty content and then a lot of people doing redraft content at the same time, they're the same people. Sometimes the dynasty value of a player spills through into what we talk about in redraft circles. Like there are players who are probably far more talented than some of the guys that we might be talking about who could actually have a legit impact this year. And you probably wouldn't want them three years from now, but in 2021, they could be good on your fantasy team. So I want to parse that through a little bit, but I want to talk about a guy who's just awesome anyway, and it's Jamar Chase. How high is too high for him this year? Because I could see a world where he's a top 10 fantasy receiver. Whew. Um, I, I can see a world as well where he's a top 10 fantasy receiver, but that world doesn't exist in 2021 for me. He's still, I, I think we have been spoiled to a certain degree um, in, in fantasy football and in redraft from the instant success of wide receivers over the past couple of years, you know, and most notably Justin Jefferson last year. And it just so happens to be that this guy played with Justin Jefferson on the greatest college football team in the history of the sport. So the expectations and our enthusiasm for this player are extremely high and for good reason. He was a top pick reunited with his college quarterback. The defense is going to be terrible. So they're probably going to have to throw a lot, but he's still a rookie wide receiver and he's playing with another wide receiver who was a rookie last year that was damn near first round pick himself t higgins who's probably poised for a thousand yard season and tyler boyd the new age golden tate who's going to get his out of the out of the slot and then joe mixon is back healthy so he's gonna i, I just i think this is a case where the dynasty value may be seeping in a little too much on jamar chase for 2021 I think he's a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal player, and I do believe that we'll be talking about him as a top eight wide receiver for fantasy football redraft purposes here in the near future. But here in 2021, I'm not seeing top 10. He's got a lot. That's, that's a lot of people he's got to beat out in order. That's, that's Allen Robinson, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones for 2021. Justin, I, I just think that's a lot to put on him uh, in 2021. So the way that I've manufactured it, because I, I went on runthesims.com, I inputted my own market shares at receiver, my own touchdown rates, and I wanted to be high on them. I was like, what, what can I put in, what can I punch in that is realistic? I mean, it's on the high end of outcomes, but what is realistic for this season for him? And that could work. Like, you know, they go, they draft him in the first round. They think he's a great talent. He has the relationship existing with Joe Burrow, who I also really like. I have Cincinnati projected to throw the ball 
ball more than any other team in football, which really goes a long way with this too. I have their rushing rate this year. And I thought this is still conservative at 39%. It might be less than that uh, if their defense is as horrendous in that division, especially as well, where they're going to have to be playing catch up a lot of the time. That initial projections just kind of show Chase, Boyd, and Higgins all about the same. Like they're all getting around the same market share of targets. And it's all around like 15, 16, 17, 18%, just kind of flat across the board. But I don't know if Mixon is going to play a huge part in the passing game. I have him at around a 12% market share, which would suggest that he is going to play a pretty high role in terms of this passing game. But I don't think that the tight ends are necessarily going to do much, whether it's CJ secret of the Uzma, the sampler, like they're not great. You have better options than than to throw to them. You can't cover everyone on the field granted, but if you have three excellent receivers at the same time, you don't need to check down to tier three tight ends either. So, If I keep Boyd at a 17% market share, and I keep Higgins at a 17% market share of the targets, would it be ridiculous to say that Chase would get 25% in a best-case scenario? No, no, I I wouldn't say that's ridiculous. Uh, No, so go ahead. I'm I'm following you here, Pat. All right, so with a 25% market share in the highest passing volume offense in the league, the thing that I tweaked that really adjusted his fantasy points overall was his touchdown market share. And I don't know how this is going to weigh itself out because in my mind viewing it, T. Higgins should be their primary red zone option in the receiving game. Whenever you see 85 streaking down the field for Cincinnati, it's like, shit, that's a tight end. It's like, no, it's not. It's T. Higgins. And he's just gigantic and he can go up and get the ball. Very Marvin Jones-esque in the way that he positions his body. But let's just say there's an outlier of outliers. And I think this is where the projection is going to be off when I went and did it. I gave Jamar Chase a 28% market share of the receiving touchdowns and I only gave Higgins an 18%. That's probably in reality going to be flipped. But if I give Chase the 28% touchdown market share, the 25% target share of all of the passes from Joe Burrow, it makes him wide receiver five for the year. Okay. Uh, Listen, I, I hear the case for it. And I I sort of disagree that T Higgins would be sort of that red zone uh, monster down there. Yes. The size, but if, if Cincinnati continues with this theme of making Joe Burrow happy and reuniting him with the guy who made him the number one overall pick, uh, I think when they get in the red zone and, and you notice neither of us mentioned tight ends because they don't matter in Cincinnati's offense. Uh, I can definitely see a world in which Jamar Chase is playing inside the slot, sort of running those intermediate, you know, tight end type routes towards the red zone therefore bumping up his probably touchdown market share percentage. So I can see that. I I do believe that if Jamar Chase is a top 10 wide receiver in 2021, it will be in large part or a majority of the reason will be that he leads that team in touchdowns and he has over 10 as a rookie, which I I don't think that's far out of the range of possibility. Um, uh, There's just, there's a, there's a, a, a strong talent, pool of wide receivers in the NFL that have been established, that have done it for years on end. And I just trust uh, everything about those offensive situations a little bit more than Cincinnati right now. But if Chase is going to be top 10, he's going to lead that team in touchdowns. Now, the great thing about it is he doesn't necessarily need to do this. If he does this and he's on your fantasy team, that's great. Because where he's being drafted, like I mentioned, he's in the Brandon Ayuk and Kenny Galladay and T Higgins 
Who's the guy? Adam Thielen. Like, those are the receivers he's going around, not the guys that I haven't projected higher for. So if I'm just dead wrong, and he's 75% of the player that I have him projected out to be in these, like, fantasy projections where he's really awesome, he's still, like, wide receiver 17 or something crazy like that. And I would much rather take the shot on Jamar Chase in that range over just about every other wide receiver that we mentioned, especially one Kenny Galladay. So <laughs> I think it's a win-win situation based on the on the on the facts and of what you laid out as far as Cincinnati. It, it, well worth it. Well worth it. Hollywood Brown already banged up. He has a soft tissue injury. We're not quite sure what the passing offense is going to look like with Lamar Jackson this year. We expect it to be a bit more downfield. Maybe Mark Andrews won't drop every third pass that's thrown his way. I mean, that could help Lamar Jackson and this offense sustain a few drives without having just to have him run the entire time. But Rashad Bateman looks like he's a real player and could be maybe not the greatest down-the-line fantasy player, but it looks like he might have real opportunity in Baltimore this year. He's the best wide receiver that Lamar Jackson has ever played with from high school to college to the pros. He's the best wide receiver that Lamar Jackson has ever played with. Uh, he's a bigger wide receiver at six foot two, over 200 pounds. Uh, excellent catch radius, phenomenal releases off the line of scrimmage and just what Baltimore needed. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so glad that we don't have to talk about Willie Sneed <laughs> and Des Bryant and whoever the hell else they were trying to throw the ball to last year. I think this is another case where the targets are going to funnel them themselves to, uh, to Rashad Bateman and Lamar Jackson for his, his struggles and his growth as a passer. Uh, he, he's looking for that number one. And I think he's going to lock on to Bateman and feed him early and often. They're going to manufacture touches for him and Marquise Brown being hurt again, uh, none of us are truly shocked or surprised by that, but he is not a proper number one wide receiver. I, I'm bigger than Hollywood Brown, and I can assure you, you do not want to rely on a player of my size uh, as your number one wide receiver, especially one that can't stay healthy. So I think he's in line uh, for a, a better than expected outcome here in 2021. Yeah, so Marvin Jones, 12th round ADP, Rashad Bateman, 13th round ADP. Like These are late wide receivers that you can take who could be your wide receiver three at the end of the year. At least you won't feel horrible playing week to week in a 12-team league, in a 14-team league. And a guy who's going ahead of them, another rookie, and maybe it's just a lot of people in New York do these drafts, but like Elijah Moore is good, but realistically, what's he going to do in this offense in 2021? Like, doesn't Jamison Crowder still play his position? Yeah, I, I, Elijah Moore is fantastic. And again, the dynasty seeping into the 2021 season. There will no doubt be games where Elijah Moore just goes off, just looks incredible, eight receptions, 156 yards, two touchdowns. I'm sure we will see that a time or two here in 2021. But when you're talking about a points-per-game basis, the consistency, uh, I think we have to temper those expectations for this, again, rookie-wide receiver in a completely revamped offense that they just paid Corey Davis. You got Keelan Cole doing his thing. Jamison Crowder still on the roster. A lot of people thought he would be gone. Um, but in 2021, I we have to temper this rookie euphoria. I know the shiny new toy. We want a piece of that. Get it. Just do it in 2022 or 2023. Not here in 2021. And that's not to say that he will not have his moments, but consistently scoring my team points this season 
Elijah Moore is probably not the wide receiver that you want to take. And every day that goes by, I'm pretty sure his price just inches up little by little by little because of the hype uh, bubbling out of uh, New Jersey, New York, wherever the hell the Jets are located. <laughs> yeah, so I would go Bateman ahead of more 100 times out of 100. That just seems like a no-brainer to me. Terrace Marshall is another one who's making some buzz with Carolina. They did lose Curtis Samuel. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is back, so that's going to soak up a lot of the opportunity to score in that offense. But you have Robbie Anderson, you have DJ Moore. I mean, one of those guys goes down. Terrace Marshall's looking good, but it feels like where they also don't really employ a tight end that does anything viable, a lot like Cincinnati, that I, I don't really know what to make of him in this situation. But with Darnold, you know, they're going to be down in a lot of games. They're going to be throwing a lot of the time. Do you see him developing any sort of consistent role in this offense, or is he going to be like Elijah Moore, where it's going to be a week here, three down weeks, maybe a spike week here, does nothing for a few weeks, or is he someone who could develop some consistency? Yeah, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a consistent role, just not enough that you're going to feel good trotting him out there as your wide receiver three or flex spot. I just again the the talent is there. What he can become next season, it, it it's inevitable. We can see it. And I mean, hey, don't you sleep on Dan Arnold now, Pat? I know you're talking about no tight ends, but don't you sleep on old Dan Arnold out there? Um, but realistically, outside of an injury, the, you, drafting. These rookie wide receivers, not Jamar Chase, not Devontae Smith, not Rashad Bateman, but the Elijah Moores, the Terrace Marshalls, the Rondell Moores, these talented rookie wide receivers, these are injury bets. You are hoping, and you know, we don't ever wish player injury upon anybody, but you are going to need an injury to a starter for that individual to have an opportunity to become a consistent fantasy scorer. And again, the same way I talked about Jamar Chase, I will echo those same sentiments for Terrace Marshall. He's still a damn rookie wide receiver. So you're going to have to have an injury to DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, who for as skinny as he is, he just never seems to be injured uh, for him to have an opportunity to score points. And I just don't think that's what you want to spend that type of draft capital on. Allow your other league mates to be engulfed by that rookie euphoria and take more proven players at cost. So now we have two guys, the final two that I wanted to talk about. And this was sort of the genesis of this discussion of dynasty versus this year. I don't know how good Nico Collins is. I will admit to you, I've never actually seen him play, but he might be wide receiver two in an offense in the NFL and see 130 targets this year. And apparently he's pretty good in training camp, but you never hear about who sucks at training camp all that often. You only really ever hear about who's good. Apparently, like, he's all right. I have no idea who's going to be throwing the ball because Deshaun Watson's just absent from training camp every single day. But if we're talking opportunity, you have Nico Collins and you have Amon Ross St. Brown in the Detroit offense. Now, it seems like he has a bit more competition because you have such luminaries like Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman, who's fighting for targets with, or maybe the over-the-middle targets on these short routes with TJ Hawkinson. But it seems like he's going to be a fixture immediately in the Lions offense. These are two shitty teams, two shitty offenses, but both of these guys could see a ton of volume and actually have value this year. And their ADPs are Nico Collins, 242 overall, and Amon Ross St. Brown is 194 overall. Like, when we look back at the end of the year and see which rookie wide receivers scored fantasy points, it's probably going to be these two guys. 
Well, Pat, I can assure you, you're not the only one who's never seen Nico Collins play because he went to the University of Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. So I'm pretty sure uh, all of us who watch college, we didn't get to see him either because they just stink uh, in Ann Arbor. But this is a situation where everything that we just talked about with Chase, uh, with Elijah Moore and these talented rookies in these, you know, established situations, I'll say it as that. Nico Collins and Amon Ross St. Brown are not. Uh, they have very good chance, very real possibilities to each start, just like an Elijah Moore or Jamar Chase. The difference is the competition on those teams is nowhere near the, you know, to the level of what Moore and Chase have to deal with in their respective situations in year one. If it's just sheer volume that you're looking for, if Nico Collins is starting alongside uh, Brandon Cooks, and I promise you for a million dollars, I couldn't name another wide receiver. I, I guess Kiki QT, I'm pretty sure he's still there. Uh, but they, he they, could... they, they just traded for Anthony Miller. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> Luminaries. Yeah, I, I, good. I, it, it, a lot of competition. <laughs> tons of competition, but he could, he could be walking into 100 targets. And you said he's being drafted at player 200 and something. That is... That is a rookie bet that I'm willing to take off a sheer shitty target volume because it's going to be from a terrible quarterback in Houston. But he, if he's starting, that's a player that I'd be fine with in investing a, the 200th something pick on a Nico Collins. And as far as I'm in Ross St. Brown, uh, he was very talented at USC. And I went on the record to say that it wouldn't shock me one bit if Amon Ross St. Brown had a Terry McLaurin type impact where he's purely just the best receiver on that team. And therefore uh, that coaching staff says, you know what, we just need to funnel this guy, uh, funnel this guy, the ball, despite Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams being in place. Uh, I think those are two excellent bets at cost uh, for volume activity in production. Yeah, it's, it's not sexy, and they're probably not guys that you want to own four years from now in a dynasty league, but for this year specifically, and the cost is nothing, so you can drop them after th two weeks if you know, they're not seeing the field. It's not that big of a deal. You can find someone else off the waiver wire to go replace them with, and I think this is a smart way to invest in the rookie market. So those are the receivers. Uh, very quickly, before I let you go... Of these like rookie running backs, the Javante Williams, Michael Carters, Trey Sermons, like these tier two guys that aren't the starter, but could be the starter after like week four, maybe they'll win the job at a camp. Do you have a lean on any one of them that in their situation, they're actually going to be good this year? I think the, the, the obvious answer is to in Kyle Shanahan, we trust with, with Trey Sermon and, and, and just looking at the track record of how Kyle Shanahan and his father, Mike Shanahan deployed and utilized running backs and we kind of talked about this earlier with Brandon Ayuk, not knowing exactly how much uh, San Francisco wants to throw the ball this year. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo, probably none. If it's Trey Lance, you're going to cater to a skill set, which is running the ball, play action, going downfield. And if it is Trey Lance, having a mobile quarterback in the backfield with a running back who participated in the same type of scheme at Ohio State, that zone read type offense, I think Trey Sermon would probably be the one that I feel more comfortable in here in 2021. Then Michael Carter, he's already getting it. Here's the thing about camp buzz. Everybody is great. The very, very few people stink in training camp. Everybody's fucking good. Everybody's good across the board. 
but it's the consistency that I like to hear. When, when all the beat reporters are consistently saying, this player's running with the ones, he looks impressive, he's showing explosiveness, and that's what we're hearing about Michael Carter in New York, and who knows what Carter can be long-term, but it definitely looks like they want to give him a shot here in 2021. And as far as Javante Williams, you know, we left Melvin Gordon for dead, and by all indications, he is the clear-cut running back one in Denver. So if I had to just sort of, uh, you know, latch on to to one of these guys and, and and plant my flag on one of these kind of tier two type running backs, it would probably be Trey Sermon. Okay. Ray Garvin, you can check out his new show starring, debuting August 11th. That's a Wednesday. You said 8 a.m. Eastern time live, right? That is correct. Yes, sir. You and Jordan? Yeah, me. He'll, he'll be behind the, he'll be producing, doing some stuff behind the scenes to help enhanced to a certain degree the show um but yeah we'll have guests on pat we got to get you on the show i don't know how early you're up but wake your ass up and come hang out with us uh one of these days man wake my ass up i got two kids under three <laughs> years old ray i'm up at 5 a.m and i'm two time zones ahead of you so that's like 10 a.m in the morning for me that's great <laughs> that works brother that works thank you yeah, if people remember, I mean, if subscribers to the Mayo Media Network know, remember Jordan last year who was doing our Dynasty video, so it's awesome to see Jordan get on board with Ray for a brand new show. You can go over to the Bets, or Bets TV YouTube page to go check that out right now. Go subscribe to that channel. Jake Seeley also has a new show over there as well. So if you have an affiliation with the Mayo Media Network, just I mean, you're getting shows left, right, and center over on Betsy. Mad Lab <laughs> is getting a show over there right now, too. So I'm like the development league. You guys are going up to the big time. I love it. Go to ftnfantasy.com for Ray's entire package, whether it be the dynasty rankings or all of the scouting reports and the projections for the upcoming season. You can get a discount on that right now using code ALLGAS. Spread the love towards Ray and check out all of his content because it is amazing. You want projections? You want tools? You want an optimizer? You want game simulations? I've made that easy for you. Runthesims.com. Runthesims.com slash mayo gets you a discount and the price is going up at the end of August. So you might as well go test out the tools right now and then see if you want to use them because I know that you will want to use them. Then you get the package for cheaper than it is. Use slash, slash mayo. You get a discount anyway. All right. So please go do all that stuff. Enter the draw and the check out the rankings. That's all down in the description. Always hit the description. There is like hidden stuff down there with like promos and shit like that that you're going to want. Smash like on the way out. Thank you all for watching. I'll be back tomorrow with more positional rankings. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.